On this week's episode, we welcome a special panel. Passover this weekend for the Armstrong Williams Show. We have um, Dr. Gail Holness joining us. Bless Always you. a pleasure to have you. Pastor A.R. Bernard, you know, one of our favorites, my brother, Pastor A.R. Bernard, and Dr. Gregory Seltz in the house. Dr. Seltz, how are you doing today? Talk to us about Pastor Bernard. You know, I'm going to start with you. The importance of this weekend, the last supper, suffer, dying on the cross. He rose and died for our sins so that we can have the right to that tree of life. Well, it's interesting, Armstrong, because the setting for Ramadan, for Passover, and for Good Friday and Easter Sunday is spring. Spring is about new life. It's about rebirth. It's about new beginnings, a new start. And that's the beauty of our Christian tradition because it's called Good Friday, even though it's remembering the death of Christ on the cross because it points to Easter Sunday, which is the resurrection, a new beginning. And it sends a message to us that we can begin again, that no matter what crisis we experience in life, we can make a new start. And I think that's important. Um, Dr. Sells? Yes. Do you think there is this, we, we hear all the time, that people want to talk less about God and talk more about man. And we talk about yeah. these spiritual illnesses, illness all around the world and how the world is in crisis. What do you think moments like this weekend? And, and I know people debate whether Easter is the exact time where Jesus, the moment in time he was crucified. That does not matter. We do know that he was crucified and that he, right. did, he did rise. Um, um, and so instead of getting lost in when and where, if it did happen during that time. Talk about the fact of why the world needs more conversations and recognition about what is really important in this little journey you call life. Well, I'll tell you what, not only life, but freedom, freedom to live life as God wants you to live it. And the Bible says in Galatians that it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And if Easter's anything, it's not a religion. It's not you and me trying to get God off our back because God did that by dying on your cross in, in your place, and he gives you his life. So it's this proclamation that not only can you start again, but you can live a life now that's reconciled with God, that's redeemed with God, and that has resurrection possibilities to live eternally with God. And so it's really God saying, here's my offer. Here's my offer, world. And so you can go the way of man, but the way of man, all you got to do is look in the history books to see what the way of man is like. Or you can go this way because God has sent his son into the world to actually live your life, die your death, and give you his life as a gift. I, I'm telling you, it's, a, it's, it's not just Resurrection Weekend, it's God's Offer Weekend. You know, Pastor, hold, hold this. What is um, interesting is that not everyone shares the Christian faith. Many people don't see themselves as being religious, and some people see themselves as being agnostic and atheist, but the beauty of our creator is that he does. Now, you know, Pastor Seltz talked about freedom. When I think about freedom, I think about free will. God gives us the freedom to reject him or to accept him. Exactly. And that's where we are. Even doing this whole, what we deemed was our holy week. We went from Palm Sunday to what we call Ash Wednesday and that some people call Spy Wednesday because Spy Wednesday was the Wednesday that we put those black things on our head. 
when Judah um, betrayed Jesus. They call it Spy Wednesday. Then we had Monday, Thursday, where the washing of the feet and remembering where we are. And then Good Friday, Good Friday. How good is Good Friday when someone, but the goodness of it was that someone looked beyond our faults, saw where we were going to be 2,000 years later and died on an old rugged cross for us on what we deem Good Friday. Someone that was counted out. And what this represents, this whole process represents, regardless of who you believe in or what you believe in, is that there's hope. There's, there's a, a sense of justice. There's a sense of freedom happening during this season. And then you have a resurrection of someone that was counted out. You counted out on a Friday. But then on Sunday morning, everybody remembers your name uh, 2,000 years later. And, and there's a scripture that says, at that name, not some, but every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. We, that's what we believe in. Everybody believes in something, whether or not they're agnostic, whether or not they're Christian, whether or not they're Muslim. We still believe that there is one God. And we've come through Ramadan. It's still in Ramadan, dealt with Passover. And Passover is not necessarily a Christian uh, religion. It's Jewish, where the Jews were getting ready for the exodus. So there was this, this holy week was powerful out of slavery. Mm -hmm. And who can relate to coming from enslavement than Americans of African descent and would want to at least commemorate something as a Passover? You know, Pastor, it's, it's interesting because if you think about it, I've never really thought about it like this. Sin is slavery. Yes. Absolutely. 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 Jesus was very clear when he talked about enslavement to sin, where we are bound to those desires that are self-destructive and our, our impulses. Um, it is definitely the very slavery that he came to set us free from. And that's why it points back to the past, the Jewish Passover. That was physical slavery mm -hmm. that was liberated by the power of God. But now Jesus Christ brings the most important slavery, and that is the inner slavery, when we are slaves to our appetites, when we're slaves to those things that are self-destructive. Uh, because that's really where it begins. Because you could be free on the outside and still imprisoned Locked on up. the inside. And the, the greatest prisons are not made of concrete and steel. They're, made, they're the prisons of the mind, the prisons of the heart, where we are kept from experiencing our full potential. So, you know, I was thinking as Dr. Holdness was speaking about the how, how going back to um, Palm Sunday, right up to Easter Sunday, and we, we see a, a, the reality of life because on Palm Sunday, it was a celebration. The people thought that Jesus, the Messiah, was now going to come and liberate them from the, uh, from the Roman government. They saw, they saw him as a political leader, and there was celebration. Well, by the middle of the week, he was arrested. It was a, 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 a perversion of justice, the prophet Isaiah says, that got him to the cross because it was a fixed mock trial, and then the death on the cross. But after that, after a Saturday of silence, Sunday morning, the tomb is empty. He's risen. And that is life. We go through moments of celebration only to result in pain. And then after that, there is a rebirth. There's a new beginning. And I think that's a very important theme, no matter what your faith is, no matter what you believe. Absolutely. You know, you know Dr. Seltz, um, you know, what is often not discussed in this resurrection 
is that he died as a result of the original sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you know, we talk about justice and we talk about mercy. And if you look at what the Bible says, the only place where real justice, complete justice and complete mercy happens is on the cross. Because there God actually takes upon himself humanity's sin, period, and then offers him. So he's he's justly punished in our place. But only it's only God in the flesh can do that. And, uh, you know, so when God executes perfect justice, no one gets away with sin. And then he offers uh, incredibly merciful mercy, uh, which is what the good for what Easter Sunday is all about. And people need to understand you know, this whole idea of justice and mercy. It's not what we think about it. It's what God thinks about it. And God makes it happen on Good Friday and on Easter morning. You know, Pastor Holiness, you know, you know, you know I'm getting these epiphanies today. You know, sin weighs us down. Mm -hmm. It's a burden. We give names to it. We call it cancer. We call it depression. We call it heart attacks. We call it sickness. We call it all other, all kinds. But it all has to do with the fallen man. It has to do with the fallen man and the fact that uh, it, it's boiling back down to mental illnesses that we have, mm -hmm. uh, that it's occurring in a lot of our lives. And you hear people talking about mental illnesses now. But we have what is called free will. And when you have free will, there has to be some kind of self-control in the process of that free will, understanding what your free will and how your free will may impact someone else's life. Mm -hmm. um, Jesus could have come down from that old rugged cross, but he stayed. How many of us would have stayed on the cross for sinners, robbers, backbiters, people who committed fraud, people who acted out with inappropriate bad behavior, liars, you stayed there just, and for, and for those who were good, none of us are perfect, but stayed there. How many of us would give up our lives for freedom and justice? Now we know people who have done, who have died for us to, uh, Americans of African descent can point to people who, our legacy, our ancestors who died, that we might have the right to vote, that we might have the right to sit at the front of the bus and those kinds of social ills, but the right to the tree of life, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Not that we would be in soup lines waiting for somebody to give us some cheese to stop us up for about a month or two, but that we might have free will to do and, and to exercise that free will. Everybody can't. Um, be a speaker, everybody can't be a doctor, everybody can't be a lawyer, everybody can't be a teacher, but find your gift where you are, where you fit in and allow the Lord, your gifts will make room for themselves. You know, um, you know when, we, when we think about food, we think about Thanksgiving, we think about Christmas, but you know, that Last Supper was a family gathering. And there was food that they broke, the bread and the wine that they drank. And, you know, it's Passover, but it's about family. And sometimes family betray each other. There's deceit at the family table that you cannot see. But, you know, as a part of our celebration, and you can tell I'm excited today, it's my favorite topic, talking about the goodness of the Lord, is 
that you cannot have a conversation like this unless you talk about the Passover food. Chef Daniel Thomas, yeah. man, we've got the, you prepared this meal, but talk about us about food and Passover and preparing the kind of food. Because you know what? I've never had a conversation about Passover food until you and I had a conversation early in the week. Um, Talk about the Passover food. So so there are multiple uh, aspects of food, especially when it comes to healthy living. And I like to talk about the diversity of food because no matter whatever your religion is, uh, you're going to be eating during this time. Uh, whether you are doing Passover or whether you're uh, focusing on Easter. And so today I was so excited about talking about and bringing healthy food for people to try because I do focus on healthy living because yes, our body is a temple. And so I want to make sure that we do not uh, go overboard during the holidays and small ways to just make small changes that make big differences in our lives so that we can eat healthier during the holidays so that we do not get overweight and we do not feel like, oh, well, I got to wait until the next holiday and I'll change then. And then we never change. So uh, so today I was excited about uh, bringing lamb, which is usually uh, lamb is used more during pa uh, Passover time. The tradition is usually more lamb shank, but I did lamb lollipops today, which is more of a focus on smaller bite sized portions that are still delectable, delicious and take less time. But then when you look at the uh, Good Friday, we always talk about how the, the, the fish and the fried fish. And don't get me wrong, Lord Jesus knows I love me some good old fried fish. And I can tell you about all the fishes of the world. But today I wanted to do something different where I made it just as delicious, if not taste better, because I wanted to focus on Chilean sea bass. And so uh, in their hand, she has a pan-seared, 12-season herb-crusted pan-seared Chilean sea bass topped with crab with some sautéed spinach, uh, sautéed with a little bit of curry, a little bit of turmeric for brain health, um, a little bit of uh, red pepper flakes for diabetes. And then uh, the, the Reverend also has uh, for, you know, for the people for Passover, I want to show love, especially for people who do not eat shellfish or eat uh, fish. I wanted to make sure that we started with a pan sear uh, instead of a lamb shank, we're going with lamb, ch uh, 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 lamb chops. And so I'm so excited. And that's also, also sauteed with spinach and a, a, a garlic mashed potato that's still healthy, still delicious, and we're still taking care of everybody at the dinner table. Let me do one thing. You know, I grew up in a very God-fearing family. Pastor, bless the meal. So you all can eat. Let's bless the meal. Mm -hmm. Let's bow our heads and bless the meal. Father, thank you for your provision in our lives, your guidance, your wisdom, your protection, your favor. Thank you for the opportunity to celebrate such an important season in all of our faiths. Thank you for food as part of your provision. We pray your blessings upon it as we receive it as hell to our bodies. In Christ's name, amen. 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 So, go ahead, go ahead, So some of the flavors that so they're going to experience as they take bites uh, is utilizing just herbs and spices that you even have in your, uh, in your, uh, your cabinet, in your pantry. Uh, herbs and spices such as that they used during that time, like rosemary and thyme. Um, mm that when you pan sear it, I call it what I call L-I-T-F, which means lock in the flavor. So, oh, come on, the come on, Reverend. <laughs> <laughs> That's what so, come on. And so, and so, <laughs> and to utilize, just take flavors. And so I don't want you to feel like you're bloated during this time. I want you to feel like you can actually go and just take a walk. And so uh, understanding how we treat our bodies, we, we can't pray and then say, oh, Lord, bless this food that I'm about to receive, that it may strengthen the nourishment in my bodies, and then fill our plates up with so much food. We have to actually be reasonable with our bodies and loving to our bodies. And so because this is a time of love, I want to make sure that you love on yourself 
as well as Jesus loves you. And so that's why I'm making sure that they're fed healthy, but delicious and tasty, healthy food. So tell us a little about yourself, though. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the short version is born and raised in Washington, D.C., uh, I know I wanted to be a chef since I was three years old. The ladies of my dad's church used to sit me on a stool and talk to me like <coughs> I was a chef. I guess I was listening. I actually have letters in seventh grade on what I, what I wanted to cook for the president of the United States and also innovate food for space travel. After that, I had my first taste of cooking for the Power Elite at 14, cooking for the chairman of the Boeing Company, and then 16, cooking for the late and great Colin Powell. I then uh, focused on nutrition because my dad and my grandparents were uh, borderline diabetic. And I realized that we were not making the healthiest food in the church at my dad's church. So I wanted to focus on that. I went to the Lewisburg College in North Carolina, did a program at Delaware State focused on nutrition. And then I graduated from the Culinary Institute of America in New York with my degree in restaurant, uh, uh, culinary arts with a focus on restaurant law and nutrition. And I finally got to live my dream of being the chef for the U.S. Senate. Uh, cooking for not just one uh, president, but now living my dream of cooking for five presidential families, over 100 foreign heads of state, chef to the Senate, and now I get to cook for the amazing Armstrong Williams and his amazing guest today. So obviously my life has been lived, and now I'm working to innovate food for space travel as one of the first black chefs to keynote for NASA, where I am uh, taking food to the next level and also helping out black-owned businesses and utilizing my seat at the table. So a little bit, that's a little bit about me, um, especially I was a national spokesperson for AARP, showing the world how to live a healthier lifestyle for the 40 plus community. So I just love food, I love helping others, and I just wanna just be an angel that God has called me to be for his people. You've cooked for five presidents? Five presidents through family. So I've cooked for, um, when they came to the Capitol, I've cooked for the Bushes, I've cooked for the Clintons, I've cooked for the Kennedy family, the Reagan family, I've cooked for the Bidens, uh, 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 Vice President Kamala Harris, uh, the Obamas, um, numerous, uh, and sorry, fellas, but women do run the world uh, because I've got to cook for three Supreme Court justices, and they were all women, and hopefully soon, Kentaji Jackson Brown uh, judge Supreme Court justice uh, uh, in the near future. So, how uh, were you when you when you started cooking? Because you look like a baby. Uh, three years old, I started uh, in my church kitchen because since we're talking about church, I started in the church kitchen. So, uh, uh, when I was three years old but I've always wanted to be a chef. I cooked for my first president at 21 um, and have just been rocking out ever since. And so I just thank you for this time to just- Talk about the NASA food as Juanita trying to be shy. Bring them these napkins and knives. They need the wine. Come put up in here. Don't <laughs> no walk problem. in front of the camera, walk behind the camera, this way. Yeah, pass them to me, just pass them to me. You know, we do things, we're down there up here. You gotta take care of our guests. I gotta make sure they can eat and wipe all at the same time. There you go. There you go. There you go. Pass, pass this to pasta. Okay. So talk about the NASA and the food. Yeah. So 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 uh, so last year uh, they had what they call a Centennial Challenge Program, and they asked me to be one of the uh, uh, the guest judges for that. But they asked me to come and talk about diversity in space food, and there's not a lot of diversity in space. And so last year. Um, they asked me to come in and I became the first black chef keynote for all of NASA, where we talked about innovating. It, the title was called Nutrition is the Mission, a Taste of Soul on the Trip to Mars. So understanding in the, 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 the short version of this is that going to the International Space Station takes around you know, three days, going to the moon, you know, a, a certain amount of hours, so a number of days. Um, and it's just depending on where you are and where you're you know, taking off from. But when we actually flip that around and we're starting to actually take new levels in space travel, going to uh, Mars, that's actually gonna take about nine months and that's in a perfect situation. There's almost never a perfect situation. So there's actually gonna take, uh, I say about a year and then they have to, and so what foods do we have right now that are not filled with so many preservatives that last? 
uh, my vision is to actually build the first restaurant in space and also create pods as we take that along um, and travel and go from having pods being dropped off on the trip to Mars so that when the, on their return, utilizing artificial intelligence, thermonuclearization, they're actually being able to start growing at certain different times that we utilize here on Earth and say, you know what? We want to start this to start growing at this time. So on their trip back, they can actually have foods growing during that time and actually take a break to have a different environment. Because wow. one thing that I want to let you know about, which is pretty fascinating, especially we talk about this, is that uh, when you go into space, you don't think about it, but you lose taste buds because everything that's inside of your body it, it, due to gravity is actually down here right now. Like right now they're eating and everything is going right down. But when you're in space, there is no gravity. So I actually have to make food and work with them to say, you know what, we want to make food a little spicier for that. <laughs> and so during that time, we want to make sure that we focus on healthy living, but make sure that we have diversity and it tastes delicious. Come on, somebody. Pray. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Hold on. So you wear your NASA jacket, right? No, this is my jacket when I cook for senators, Congress, presidents, and foreign heads of state. And now us. But yeah, so hey, listen, I, my man, yeah, my man, yeah, it's a beast. But yeah, <laughs> let's go to uh, our pastoral um, guests and let them tell, look, no, just tell the truth. We're going to start with you, Pastor Holden. I'm about to start singing, Jesus, <laughs> 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 This food is excellent. Really? This is, this is the fish uh, and the sea bass, mm -hmm. and it has spinach on it. It tastes like it has mashed potatoes under the bottom and these little leaves and things that you eat. It is <laughs> fabulous. Thank you so much. It's very healthy. I, I don't eat meat um, generally. Uh, I, I call myself, I'm at that point now, I'm strong. I eat what I want, when I want, uh -huh. what I want. But this, She's everything Terry. chef, yes. you are what we would call the magic chef. Pastor Bernard, let's see what Pastor Bernard You know, I didn't expect lamb chops, but I love lamb chops, uh -huh. especially lollipop lamb chops. Mm -hmm. I love it as an advertiser. And this is well seasoned. Mm -hmm. When you can taste it as soon as you bite in, that makes a difference. And lamb, you know, you have to cook it just right. Because if it's too well done, it becomes dry. This is moist, it's tender. But what's getting me most is how the seasoning just really, really touch the palate of your tongue. Yeah. Before we say goodbye and turn to AI and other things on today's Easter weekend show, what is your secret? Uh, my secret uh, for food is just to love what you do. Uh, the way that these pastors uh, focus on and learn and continue to learn uh, uh, theology, I focus on food and learn food. And I just feel that God gave me a gift and I like to utilize it and I just continue to learn. I'm actually in school right now at Johnson & Wells getting my master's in uh, technology and food innovation so I can continue to help Black-owned businesses out because on, unfortunately, out of the 70,000 items in the grocery store, less than seven are nationally Black-owned. So to focus on uh, today, uh, it's just, I have a knack for food, for people, and for how to tantalize their taste buds. And so a little bit of razzle, a little bit of dazzle, and that's why we're eating today. Uh, and I look forward to taking care of you again soon. Chef Daniel Thomas, thank you so much for joining Yes, go ahead. One thing, I'm from South Carolina, and when we have good food, Chef, we say, he put his foot in it. <laughs> oh, almost. <laughs> you put well, your foot in this. We're gonna come back, go ahead, pass. Uh, this is excellent. It's really. excellent. I, I, I've tasted lamb chop, this is excellent. And you know what, I will tell you, 
I'm so proud of this man. Yes. What he has done with his life, what he's done with a gift that God put inside of him, and to discover it at such an early age, that's why he's successful, because he's living in purpose. Thank you for listening to this week's episode.